You're listening to Season 2 of The New Paris. Full disclosure, my guest to kick off the new season is a friend, someone I grew up with, even took the school bus with. After going our separate ways after high school, we lost touch, as sometimes it happens, uh, until love and life brought him to Paris, where we reconnected again as if no time had even elapsed. Like me, Dan Sickles grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia and eventually left to pursue a number of creative pursuits. Today, he is an award-winning documentary filmmaker. His first film, Mala Mala, looked at the transgender community in Puerto Rico and was nominated for Best Documentary Feature at the Tribeca Film Festival. His latest film, Dina, captures the life and budding love between two Philadelphia natives with neurodiverse disorders like autism and Asperger's and was awarded the Grand Jury Prize at last year's Sundance Film Festival. Dan joins me now to talk about filmmaking in France and the local scene's approach to cinema. Dan? Hello. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, This is obviously really exciting for me, simply because when we reconnected in Paris, I couldn't, I mean, I could believe it, but I almost couldn't believe all that you had accomplished in such a short amount of time. And to realize all of the really important work you were doing and the messages you were trying to express was, I mean, to me just felt like, I don't know, when you come from the suburbs and, you know, you live around the corner from each other and you're sharing the school bus, you don't think of what the other person's going to become. And it was such a, an honor to get to reconnect with you. So I'm, to, to know that you're even in the city now is like super exciting. So, no, you, it's great. I mean, I feel like when, you know, when, when you're a kid riding the school bus, like you don't even necessarily imagine all of the, the possibilities of what you can become, you know, or, or, or the, the nuance to the work that you could be doing. You know, it's like you could become a filmmaker, you could become a doctor, you could become a writer, but, but to imagine what those actually are going to be. Uh, in the future, is it's impossible. No, it's impossible. Know? But also, I think what's super interesting is you don't meet many Philly suburb people <laughs> in Paris. Um, I have a couple of friends from Philly, but, um, you know, we're not uh, represented in great number. So it's I almost true. feel like you're like one of the tribe that we've... Yeah, no, convinced to come definitely. over, although... <laughs> it has a different culture than, than a place like New York, where, you know... Every day you hear somebody has moved to blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, of course they moved there. But no, Philly, for, for some reason, it does have that uh, you're living where kind of tone <laughs> to it, as if it's like completely otherworldly, um, <clears throat> which I kind of like. But then at the same time, it's like I always find myself encouraging people like to come to Western Europe and just check out what it's all about. Well, and and certainly with regard to film, it's a it's a culture that's that bathes in the seventh art. Um, but before we get to that, because that's obviously where I'm headed, um, how did you, you know, elevator pitch, how did you get into film? You moved to New York, you went right. to NYU, is that right? Yeah, so so I went to NYU, I went to Tisch uh, as an actor. And I graduated uh, with a degree in acting, and I was doing a lot of it right after school, uh, mostly in the theater. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I had three roles back to back that were that were all intense, like for their own reasons. We, I started off with Hamlet, then went to Constantine from The Seagull and then uh, Romeo from Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> and, you know, like they, they all essentially killed themselves throughout the course of the play. So I was I was studying suicide for essentially what turned out to be months on a very personal level. And, and sort of after Romeo, I was like, I want to take a step back. <laughs> And uh, and kind of like reassess, you know, and and I I fell into this production um, for for this film called Price Check, 
uh, which went to Sundance in 2012, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I spent a lot of time in the production office. That's sort of how I got acquainted with what budgets look like and and how films are actually made. I guess guess before that time, I, I had sort of believed or wanted to believe that films just sort of fall out of the sky finished you know that that (laughs) titanic is is a project that was just delivered to the movie theater and millions of people turned out to see it right um but then when you're actually in it and like you see all of like the logistics and the planning and and the contracts and you know like the the real nuts and bolts of filmmaking that it really changes your perception and uh it was sort of baptism by fire. You know, I, I worked on that production and then had this experience in Austin, Texas, uh, where my creative partner, Antonio Santini, and I, we, we met a drag queen uh, at a bar some random night. And that led to hanging out with her for three days and, and sort of talking to her about her experiences. And she was in the midst of her transition. And uh, I would say in the course of like those two and a half days hanging out together, that's when I became... Uh, I guess I can call myself a nonfiction filmmaker now. Uh, but that that's really when that happened, you know, like sitting in somebody's living room, talking about the, the very intimate details of their life, you know, how, how they identify, you know, um, how they came to identify the way that they do. And, you know, to talk with somebody about, about their gender in ways that I hadn't really discussed gender before was, mm-hmm. was mind blowing. And I'm, and I'm sort of addicted to that feeling of, of, having your mind blown, <laughs> you know, and, and that happened pretty in a pretty grand way there. And we left and, and I remember talking with Antonio and being like, we need to do this. Like we need to, but at that follow point, this through, but at that point, were you, did you have any ambition of producing your own films? I mean, you were working on this production, but did you think to yourself, actually, I'm going to leave acting behind on a more permanent level? I would say, I would say, yeah, I always wanted to like make my own movies okay. and like, tell my own stories, but I hadn't really, I hadn't anticipated. I wasn't anticipating to start that, uh, you know, process when I was I was twenty one uh, when we started filming Mala Mala. So so that oh wasn't my goodness. Yeah, I mean, like so so it wasn't really considered like okay, I'm going to go off and like become a filmmaker. It was mm. really sort of one thing after the other, very organic and very serendipitous that that led into our first project, which wasn't in Texas. It was in Puerto Rico. You know, so right. that was initially conceived as like, let's go to Puerto Rico for a month and a half, two months and make a film. As soon as we landed in Puerto Rico, we realized that it's going to take longer than two months to make a documentary film. <laughs> and, and that turned into three and a half years, you know, to, to, to build our first film. Um, and it was in the midst of getting that film out that we, that we started Dina, that we started our second film, uh, which is the one that you mentioned that just premiered it at Sundance last year. So it's it's really just sort of been one thing after the other. Like acting is something that I would love to return to when it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I sort of like to think that you know it's it's possible to go any direction. I, I like I have lots of interests. So when it comes to like my profession, I I always like hesitate to like define I guess what it is. Well, you're a storyteller in one way or the other for sure. But I also you know imagine like being like 65 years old and being like the mayor of a small town. You know, in in the states, because why not? You know, I think that that, that could be fun. Um, but Paul, somewhere in the states is going to need you, I think, pretty soon. Well, yeah, I mean, separate issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so your career really took off then in the states, but now you're in Paris and you've started immersing yourself in the city that adores the seventh art, which is what the French call 
uh, the world of cinema. Um, what were some of the immediate differences you noticed about the two film cultures when you arrived, either in terms of the way films are embraced or the way you engage with other filmmakers and learned how they go about producing their work? I mean, I'd say that there's lots of subtle differences. <clears throat> there was one conversation that I had moving here that was kind of, it was striking to me. I was with another filmmaker, uh, a very successful documentary fashion filmmaker. And, uh, and this was before Dina. So this was right after our first film. And, and he was, he was talking to me about like, okay, well, so you have this, this feature length film out, like what, what shorts did you make before that? And I was like, I, I haven't made any short films or I, I have, but not ones that I would necessarily show or, or promote. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he was kind of confounded by that. Just like, well, you know, you're supposed to make a short film before you go and you make a feature length film. And, and for me, I was like, well, we didn't really know what we were doing when we started. So we just did it. And that's how it happened, you know? And, and in that conversation, he's, he sort of realized and well, both of us realized that, that in France, there's a very particular way about going to build a, a film career, you know? Um, and, and I think it's sort of representative of, of sort of French culture in general, that, that you, you decide what you're going to be in terms of a, of a profession and, and you, you become and do that profession. And this is the way that you do it. You do step A, you do step B, mm. C, D, all the way to Z, you know? Um, so he was explaining to me that, you know, usually you make two short films at least before anyone really gives you the opportunity to go and make a feature length film. And, uh, and yeah, for me, I I don't know, it was kind of eye opening maybe. Yeah. Because again, you know, I mean in the, in the States again, like it's like ambition is, is something that, that, that's prized, you know, and you find an overabundance of ambition in the Mm. States, you know, uh, and, and, and we were the same way, you know, again, like showing up in Puerto Rico and thinking that we could have a feature length documentary done in two months. It was, it was, you know, pure ignorance, really. Um, but that that in the States, there isn't this idea that, like, you need to do things a certain way, especially when it comes to creative fields. Right. You know, like, you can come out and you can make your first feature-length film. You know, like, there's, there's a few people who have been nominated for the Academy Awards this year on their first feature-length film. Like, do you know which ones? I mean, Greta Gerwig has never directed That's true. Before. Okay, yep. Um, but then you also have Yonsei Ford, who's who's nominated for Strong Island for that documentary. And Yonsei was was uh, the head of POV, like our public service television provider, um, for, for a while. So, so still very connected to the community. Mm-hmm. But he had never directed a feature-length film or a short before. You know, and, and first film out, now he's nominated. Like the, So there is, there is this idea that anything is really possible or achievable there. Whereas as here, it's, it's a bit more conservative in that outlook, I think, you know, it's, well, everything's impossible until it suddenly isn't impossible. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. But I think like the expectation is that you shouldn't be too, you shouldn't be too ostentatious in what you think that you can achieve here, you know, that there, that there's a, it's almost a, a sign of respect, I think, to go about, you know, finding your place in, in the industry in France to do these these steps. Mm-hmm. You may have a brilliant idea for a feature-length film, but you better wait until like you have paid your dues, and th- this is the very obvious way of paying them. Which is interesting, because it doesn't always work that way in fashion. As you're seeing, there are all sorts of young designers who are leaving fashion school and getting, you mm. know, right into the award track. For sure. 
and I mean, catapulting yeah. their careers. I mean, fashion, I think, is generally also, it, it's a young person's game, right? It, it's so dependent on, on trend and, uh, and how hot an idea is. And, and very often that comes from younger people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, yeah, I think you see a lot more of that where, where as opposed to cinema, you know, I, you do have a lot of young filmmakers. But I think when you're trying to build a film that, that has legs and has a long shelf life, you know, that, that takes a lot of time to develop. So you don't see a lot of 19-year-old filmmakers coming out with films that last generations, you know. I'm, I wonder also, is it a financial uh, I mean, that's also definitely consideration in terms of the of budgets that are even available here to filmmakers. But of course, I was I was curious in, in your experience. Do you feel that there are different levels of support that are also given to artists in France? In France, you know, I, I'm, I know you've interacted with a whole number of filmmakers since you've been in Paris. Um, do you feel there is whether it's financial or Cultural cultural support and encouragement for the arts in a different way. So whereas everything might be possible in the U.S., are the systems of support in place in the same way? No. I mean, I think that that in in France, like, there's a a culture of appreciation towards the arts that doesn't necessarily exist in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I was, was, before before us meeting, I I was looking up sort of statistics about Paris specifically and how it compares to other cities. And it turns out that that Paris actually has the most amount of cinemas, you know, of of the top 20 cities, top 20 biggest cities in the world, uh, has the most cinemas, has the most bookstores, even has the most live music venues. Um, And this is being compared to London and, you know, New York and Los Angeles. Um, So, you know, I think I think the fact that there's physically more space Mm. for work like this to live says a lot, you know, Um, when it comes to finances, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because, you know, the CNC, uh, which is a government organization in France that, that sort of, they, they dole out hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars per year for, for productions. Um, you know, they're so prevalent here. Uh, and, and they're, they're sort of gatekeepers to, to a, lot of, a lot of ideas uh, for potential projects. And... I mean, right now, being the American that has come to France, I would say that they're incredible. Like, it, I, I, I think it's a great system. Obviously, it has its drawbacks. <clears throat> but, like, there, there are so many funds available to get, you know, what in the States would be called sort of smaller character-driven projects. You know? So is that also permits to be able to, to, to shoot? I mean, it's just the access that you're also given quite yeah, read- I mean, like, readily? You know, in, in France, there, there's a 30% tax rebate on films that spend at least $225,000. Hmm. Um, that, that doesn't exist for every state in the United States. In Puerto Rico, it's great, but it's not that great in New York. You know, so, so it's really on a state-by-state basis in the United States, whereas for France, like they're really sort of reaching out, and especially in the past few, like six or seven years, they're really reaching out to international productions. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they just built a bunch of giant uh, sound stages in Saint-Denis. Um, Interesting. Yeah, with the hopes of, like, attracting bigger productions. The difficulty with that, though, is that, like, there's always, there's always going to be more space in L.A. and in London. Um, so the higher-budget Hollywood-type films aren't necessarily coming here as often as they would like. Well, and there are certain directors that have been magnets uh, for, well, oh, Paris has been magnets for some of these directors, but mm. they are themselves a bit problematic as 
artists. Uh, mm-hmm. If you look at Woody Allen, obviously is a mm-hmm. is tremendously popular here, despite everything we know about his personal life and some of his uh, ill advised public statements. Right. And 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 here, there's really this notion that the artist is not um, or can be detached rather from his per- his or her personal life um, in a way that I think we're not so inclined to do in the United States. So if we look at Roman Polanski still having a safe haven here and Woody Allen, but all, a lot of them, Woody Allen has continued to come here mm-hmm. to shoot because of that, um, that sort of open door. Yes, please use our city to, to film your work. Yeah. And I mean, apart from, apart from, you know, those directors too, I think that there is, that there is a certain respect for their job. That in the states, I don't think people are necessarily as well aware of. And mm. like, you take you take such an obvious example, like like the Cannes Film Festival, you know, where f- for films that are playing in competition, um, you know, the entire ad audience like goes into the theater and takes their seat, and the last person to enter is the director. And like, there's an announcement that's made announcing the director, and they kind of walk into the theater. So it's so it's not about the actors or you know um, the sponsors or about anything else other than like the person who sort of crafted this vision. Whereas you go to film festivals in the States and it's kind of the inverse, Mm -hmm. you know, no one knows who the director is. It's all about what star is walking the red carpet. And there's, you know, photographers, sponsors, like everywhere that are really just focusing on the, the spectacle of it rather than the substance, I would say. And it's interesting because I, I got that sort of impression from, Last year, when I went to your premiere of Mala Mala, obviously years after it had had come out Mm -hmm. um, elsewhere, but it was your first showing of the film in Paris. And it wasn't on Faubourg Saint-Denis, which is what I thought. It was on one of the other Faubourg streets in the 10th. Do you remember the name of the theater? Uh, The Brady. Right. Okay. So, um, and I got the sense that everyone was rallying around you. Now, granted, this wasn't a film with... Jennifer Aniston. So, you know, no one was expecting this, you know, red carpet rollout for any actor, but there was uh, a distinct feeling that everyone who came out to see this film was really drawn to how you, the director, uh, and with Antonio had crafted this extremely um, vivid and insightful look at these women's lives. Um, So, I, I, I mean, I got that sense simply just from standing and, and observing mm. um do you feel that way as a director who's starting to show his work here i mean i think it's a bit it's a bit tricky because of the genre that i'm working in so i, I think that you know um non-fiction documentary it's, it's a very traditionalist genre you know um there there's sort of this discussion within people who work in nonfiction sort of as to the importance of its purity or, you know, or the, so, so it's still in the midst of really figuring out what it is that makes a documentary or what documentary could be, you know, I think we're going to look back 10 years from now and see that, that these few years, there have been a lot of people working to figure that out and push the envelope, you know, um, so in France, you know, like that screening was, it was exciting because again, like, you know, people had been hearing about my work for so long and didn't have the option of seeing it until we literally brought it to that theater. Right. Um, and, and I think a lot of people were surprised actually because they hear a documentary, especially in a place like France, and, and right away they assume television. Well, they, they think assume, Arte, right? Yeah, they assume that it will be dry and, and purely informational and lots of talking heads and, and not really all that experiential. Um, 
which those are exactly the kinds of films that that we work to build you know films that are are entertaining and aesthetically pleasing um but also kind of a, a bit mind-blowing maybe um that's a good word for what I felt watching both actually both films. I mean, Dina, you know, I saw in London with a similar sort of um, heavily engaged audience also. I mean, I had not I've not seen many films, you know, regardless of the genre in London, but the audience was engaged in a way that I would say was similar to the audience I was with Mm -hmm. in Paris in that they were fully there. They were they were extremely present and and had lots of questions i think for you too for sure um and so you, so the feedback that you got after that premiere in paris of of mala mala what was there something that was different about the kinds of questions you were receiving than you've gotten from you know american viewers i wouldn't i wouldn't say necessarily i mean by that point you know i had also shown the film in places like Ukraine and Costa Rica and, you know, Canada and Mexico and, you know, South Africa, like had a festival that they played it. So, so I had been getting a lot of feedback already. So, and I, and I think that that we intentionally sort of built it as a, as like a a universalist sort of message of a film. Um, So that I wasn't surprised about as much as I was people, people being surprised that it, it looks like a movie or uh, right. like that, that it's very professional, you know, um, interesting. The word professional came up. Yeah. For, for, for both films, actually there, there have been people who have seen Dina just because I've like sent it to them, you know, through the computer or whatever. And they sort of react the same way that, that it's not, I don't know. I think that the expectation with documentary is that it's kind of easy. It's just journalistic and, you know, right. you're just reporting and you're interviewing people. Exactly. And then you just like cut it together and that's, and that's, it you know right um so i think like there's been a lot of reaction to that that i'm that for me is kind of like uh i mean it's just good to know because it's kind of like and it excites me because again i really think that now people will be looking back on this time and say like oh like this is like when nonfiction really started to evolve into something other than this dry sort of academic um journalistic genre but that that we're really like kind of pushing it more towards this artistic expression as well and so do you hope to then build projects that involve french locations french Definitely. you know a french focus um Definitely. you know how, how do you plan to split your time given that you know now your home base is here but right your stories could be theoretically anywhere for sure i mean like there, there's one that i'm conceiving in, in paris right now that, that i'm pretty excited about um, but you know, at the same time, I, I do want to build stories and, and, and create films in all different kinds of locations. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've never really thought of myself as an American filmmaker, especially hmm. because the first one sort of comes out of Puerto Rico, which is an American and not American place at the same time. And, um, and for me, that was significant because the, the, the culture in Puerto Rico is completely different, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like it, like it is here. It has, it's French culture. It's not American culture. Um, so yeah, I mean, like there, there's, there's things that I want to make here. There, there's things that I want to make in Bangkok, you know? Hmm. So, so I'm sort of open to considering all sorts of places. For me, what's great about Paris though, is, is unlike New York, I think I can, I'm able to focus here in a way that I haven't been before. You know, New York, I think there's this expectation where it's like, oh, what did you do today? And you're like, I read a book. 
And in New York, then they're going to be like, okay, well, and then what did you do? And they're like, well, and then I got a sandwich. And then, and then what? And, and then I... How much know. did you accomplish in one day? Exactly. Yeah. Whereas here, it's kind of like, oh, what did you do? And you're like, well, I've been reading this book and I spent all day reading this book. And then I feel like the response is usually going to be something along the lines of, oh, what book? Like, mm. what are you reading? Like, let's talk about like these ideas that like you're like, you know, Mulling working over. through. Right. Yeah. And, and that that I really, really love, you know, and... And people get excited to talk about films here and, and, and literature in a way that, like, it, feel, it feels fresh, you know. Fascinating. <clears throat> so that, for me, has been, like, the, the best thing about moving here and, and being here, you know. Certainly the speed of just everyday life is, is slower. I mean, it, it, it's very interesting because someone was just saying to me that they, this morning that they left Paris because it was too fast. It was everything moved too fast. But when you're coming from New York. Exactly. This exactly. is snail's, snail's pace. Um, and also you're behind or you're sorry, you're ahead of the U.S. You know, you're ahead of the of, of the East Coast. You're you have this sort of freedom that I, I also feel when I wake up in the morning and I'm, you know, starting to get into my day. And I feel like my brain is actually clear. And for sure, for sure. But it's so short lived. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> then, then that disappears pretty quick. Yeah. But I feel like there's there's generally you know like this this sort of I want to say maturity to to French culture, which is of course romanticizing it a bit. But I've only been here about a year, so so I give myself that permission. Uh, but that that it seems it just seems a bit more mature or or settled into itself, mm-hmm. um, which isn't anything necessarily negative about the states because I think being in the states there is that like excitement of being like a very powerful newborn with you know a giant <laughs> nuclear arsenal um, which, you know I, I think i think in terms of temperament like i i think that like that that's kind of the difference between the the main difference between the two you know here there is like a nuance in terms of how people live and like the lives that they lead you know mm-hmm. whereas in the states it's just like go 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 like you know it's You'll apologize later if you need yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, here's a day and a half off for, for vacation. And you're, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't... Doesn't foster creativity in the same way. I, I don't think so. No. So, so what uh, can we expect from you in the... Not, I mean, people ask me that question. It gives me, you know, a minor panic attack. So um, what I mean by that is, will you be working through whatever you're working through in Paris? Are you going to still... Yeah, definitely. Yeah? Definitely. There's like a, yeah, I mean, like there's, there's like a, I would say there's two main projects that I'm focusing on developing right now. Uh, and, you know, for me, it really comes down to like when and where the money to make them comes from. Mm-hmm. I feel like I spend like 60 to 65% of my time at least trying to raise money for projects. Which is something most people don't think about when they think about the films they're watching. Exactly, exactly. And like it, it, it would be much easier if like I, I could sort of give someone the job or responsibility of just doing all that for me, but it's just not, it's not possible. You know, people, people who are financing films, they want, they want to know you. They're, they're betting on you. Right. Um, and that you're going to like roll that boulder up the hill, like no matter how long <laughs> it takes, you know, and... And, uh, yeah, that, that's sort of what I'm figuring out now. It's like that there's, there's, there's a few things bumping around that I'm really excited about. Um, and if it means you can work through them without any pressure throughout a whole day exactly, and no one's going to wonder what you accomplished, exactly. that feels pretty nice. Yeah. So where can, uh, listeners see your films? Mala Mala right now in France is available on Netflix. Internationally it's available on Netflix. Uh, so it's pretty easy to get there and, and on iTunes and stuff like that. 
Dina, for the moment, uh, it's available. It seems like in all of the other uh, all of the other Western European countries, with the exception of France. But we're figuring that out right now. But for American listeners or English listeners, it's on iTunes, iTunes, Amazon, like Google Play, all of all of those things. It's on DVD, um, and then it'll be streaming on Hulu uh, in about three four months time. And just closing on a hopeful note, will you be premiering Dina? in paris in a physical location Definitely. yeah I'm, I'm actually getting it translated right now so so we're going to be figuring that that out in the next few weeks you heard it here fo- first everybody dina is a phenomenal film you're an incredible talent i'm so happy paris has you um thank you dan sickles thank you Lindsay tremuda <laughs> tune in uh in two weeks time for the next episode of the new paris we'll be talking innovation president macron and all that he has or has not accomplished to this point and loads more Uh, If you've enjoyed this show, please subscribe, share with a friend. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you stream your podcasts. And until next time, à bientôt.